my name is Matt Brown. Now be honest with me, my build. Would it be a problem in the NBA? Yes, it would. And let's start the show. What's the problem? The problem is you just don't have the muscles. You don't have the, the mass. You need, you need the um, the um. You don't have the um. I talk pretty good trash. Everybody, the world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Thursday, February 17th, 2022, and we have quite the show for you all today. I promise it is a good one. Before we get into that fun, I just want to remind you, don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. We're on Twitter at ProdConvoPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So ladies and gentlemen, I hope everybody's doing well on this, the middle part of February. I mean, think about this. Next week is the last full week of February and March 1st starts two weeks from Monday, March 2022. We obviously know where we were a couple years ago. And the fact that we got to this point where mass mandates are being reevaluated and some even being lifted and loosened, looks like we're on our way to having a normal life again, quote unquote, the normal world that so many of you thought was impossible of having. But with a little patience, the amazing people who work in the science field, the politicians who, you know, obviously either they both mishandled this, but also given the chance for us to get out of here. It's been a hell of a time, but so glad that it's almost over. And I hope things change for me too. And one thing that's almost over is this unemployment time. You know, what's it's, it's been a quite a time as you probably have heard me mention I've been unemployed since December 2019. Right now I just drive an Uber and it's really difficult to drive Uber in Jersey and New York City. It's an uncomfortable job. It's um, tough to rely solely on that for your income, to pay the rent, to pay your student loans, to pay your car payment, to pay your phone bill, to pay your utilities, to pay your internet, to pay your podcasting services, to pay for your streaming services. It's hard. I don't know how the hell I'm doing it, quite frankly. And I really miss working in production. I, have, I haven't I have been working in production since before the pandemic. And I was working relatively steady out of, since out of college as a PA and I was ready to be a coordinator. And then, you know, the last opportunity I was at fell through and... You know, I interviewed for jobs for a few months. The very week the pandemic hit us and made it real, NBA closes, Tom Hanks, all of that. I interviewed for a big late night show in the city that I really thought I was going to get. And then this other media company that I really thought I was going to get. And then look at, it's now going to be two years since that happened. I've been unemployed for 27 months and it's been very hard on my mental health, sometimes even my physical health because of that. And 
Now, I will say the one thing that made this worth it next to the personal growth and development and the stronger bonds that I've made with my immediate family and my very close friends in this world is this podcast. This podcast is not possible if, one, the pandemic doesn't take place, and two, I had the time to make this show good because I was unemployed. And now I'm at a point where all I need is to get my production career back. And I know for a fact that I will be able to handle both a career in television, broadcasting and streaming like I was projecting to be, as well as continue my podcasting career. And this show is going to be with me for the rest of my life. I know that for a fact. And I really believe in my heart that 10 years from now that this whole country and this whole world will know what the Productive Conversations podcast is. That is my goal by 2032 that the whole world knows about this podcast. And I will spend each and every day of the next 10 years to make that possible. And I do have plans in my head to make that dream a reality. And you know for a fact that I'm gonna go try for it. But I also want my production career back. And I know that I'll be able to grow in the world of production and hopefully become a producer like I hope to be, as well as grow this podcasting company. I see myself as one of my influences in Bill Simmons, who obviously creates The Ringer this huge media empire and also produces documentaries. I mean, look at the HBO music box series, 30 for 30 he created. That's who I want to be. I want to be a producer and a podcaster, specifically a television producer and podcaster. And it bothers the hell out of me that I've taken that not in my control, a two-year break from making that goal a reality. And as I'm ready to get promoted in my world in production, I just pray every night and take deep breaths and hope that I can get out of this situation. And it's really hard, a lot. It's very, very difficult, especially waking up at 4.45 in the morning and doing Uber for five, six, seven hours straight to get enough money to pay for everything you need to pay for. And you have to take an extra step because you're in New Jersey, because of the tolls and the gas prices. It's 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 not easy. And I just need to let it out that I'm having a hard time trying to get my career back or just finding a different job that's not Ubering. And I know for a fact and believe that there are so many humbling lessons that I have gotten from this situation that does make this experience worthwhile. But now we're at a point where it's been a few months of this. I literally have to drive every single day. I drive seven days a week. And if it wasn't for my amazing support system and my family, who I love dearly, my close friends, my acquaintances that I've talked to and helped me remember who I am and the greatest fans listeners in the world and you, the fact that all of you 
help me and keep me sane, keeps me going. Plus being the, getting the chance to listen to podcasts and radio every day, it makes this challenging time in my life a little less stressful. And even though I am stressed out a lot, this podcast gives me zen to get out of the situation. And I don't know when I'm gonna have my production career back. You know, I would do I would do anything if it was tomorrow or next week, but it could take many months. <laughs> and it's taken 27 months up until this point to get my production career back, but what's another day, I guess. But all I know is I'm still working my ass off. This amazing podcasting community has been created from the ashes of this horrible pandemic in my unemployment. And I know that we will get out of this somehow, some way. But if there's any support anyone could give me, and I will for the rest of my time until I get my production career back in my monologue and my epilogue, I'm going to say, hey, if anybody knows anyone who needs a new production coordinator or anybody has an opportunity for me, please reach out. Whether at Matt Brown 300 on Instagram if you want to slide into the DMs or email me at mbrown3212 at gmail.com. If there's an opportunity for me to make your life easier, if you're a producer out there, a production manager, if you're an executive producer, well, just give me a shot. You tune into this podcast for a reason. We're at a 134 episodes and counting, thousands of downloads on the pod, tens of thousands of views on YouTube. I clearly know what the hell I'm doing and I'm good at it. And now it's time for me to get that opportunity to prove myself, to unlock my potential and not get a rejection email like the hundreds I've gotten since I lost my job in December 2019. It's time to get a yes. It's time to evolve. It's time to become somebody again in this industry. And sure, show business, media, entertainment is a cutthroat, difficult, and sometimes grueling industry to be in. But there's a reason why there's so many talented people who prove that all these challenges are worth going for. And in the end, you have content that you can entertain and inspire people with. And I can be part of somebody's team to make that happen. So I just want to let that out there after some difficult weeks Ubering and trying to get my life together. I really want to enjoy New Jersey for what it is, but I've been working nonstop just to make the rent for this expensive state. And it was me who decided to put myself in this position. And I admit, I had a pretty good living at home in Connecticut. But now it's time to finally make these opportunities become something. I've interviewed for a lot of jobs at an, at, and at a lot of places you all have heard of that would have given me my production career back. And I've come in just short many a times doing three, four interviews and either getting ghosted or being told that we chose someone else. And I know every single one of those people made the wrong decision passing on me. 
And now I need to prove to somebody that it is my time to get hired and help you. So for anyone out there who's either listening to this, who's either needing somebody to step up in a production coordinator role or associate producer or whatever, again, reach out to me. At Matt Brown 300 if you are so interested in sliding in my DMs on Instagram or email me mbrown3212 at gmail.com and we can talk about the opportunity at hand. You will not regret it and you are going to start something special for you, your team and I'll have my production career back which I will not take for granted after not being in it for two years. So 27 months and counting. Let's end this as soon as possible. Thank you for hearing me out, everybody. So enough about me. Today's show is an NBA show, and we're going to focus on the NBA trades and acquisitions that took place at the deadline just last week. James Harden goes to Philly. Ben Simmons goes to Brooklyn. KP Kristaps Porzingis goes to Washington. Uh, Sabonis goes to the Kings. Halliburton goes to the Pacers. Lots of trades that took place in the month of February. So let me bring the productive NBA crew to analyze it as we also hit on some other headlines going into the All-Star break. So David Bach, Dolo Red, Alex Rinello are here once again to talk hoops with me, specifically talking about the trades and acquisitions. And uh, let's experience it all once again. David, Dolo, Alex, it's your guys' turn once again. Let's talk hoops. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. Nice to see everybody today. As the NBA season is about to complete its first half, the All-Star game is approaching. The NBA deadline has passed. There have been some big moves. There have been some small moves, and there were no moves at all. As we hit on the big headlines of the NBA season so far, let's get into it with the NBA Sorry, with the productive NBA crew, Alex Ranelio, David Bach, and Dolo Ren at here as always. What's up, guys? How are we doing? How you doing, I'm boys? Good. Happy to be back. Excellent. I'm good. I, it was an exciting uh, trade deadline. Uh, uh, literally, I don't think the Spurs have made more trades in my lifetime at the trade deadline than they did this <laughs> week. <laughs> it was a, considered an incredibly active one. We did three fucking trades. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely more than my team made zero. So why don't to we be, hop into that? Well, I was you I were mean, saying to be fair, the only rumor was them giving up Cam Reddish and like half of your team for like nothing. Yeah, with those Laker deals that allegedly were discussed and fell through. But before we get into those deals, let's talk about the elephant in the room right away. The big trade that everybody was waiting for inevitably happened. And for a player that has been mentioned numerous times on this show, let's talk about the big deal that changed everything for him. The Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers agreed to this blockbuster deal, which included James Harden and Paul Millsap going to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. Like I said, a deal that people were waiting many months for, and it finally happened. The main 
acquisitions haven't played yet for either team, we can now truly soak this in once and for all. So talk to me, guys. Tell me initial thoughts about Ben Simmons going to Phil, going to Brooklyn, James Harden going to Philly, and how is this going to affect the rest of the season? Both teams won. Both teams won and both. I mean, Philly won even more because I don't know if you saw this, but uh, um, the uh, Harden didn't get the paperwork in time to pick up his $47 million option. Yes, and that caused Seth and Draymond to sit not initially the first game back, which they won yesterday, but still. So he's literally getting one last final laugh because technically the deal isn't made until everyone passes their physical and we can see that Mr. Harden was getting, no, it wasn't a physical. It was, it was, it was, they didn't get the paperwork. So it's, this is similar mm-hmm. to something that happened in like the early two thousands where um, one of the agents for a player in Miami didn't fax their paperwork in to say that they were picking up their option. And because they didn't do that, then Miami ended up having like the cap space to make a trade that ultimately led to them getting Shaq. Mm-hmm. So it, it's type of like that, but I mean, look, both teams won this. Um, I think, uh, look, Harden was not fitting in, in Brooklyn. I mean, he's, he's fat and he's out of shape, um, mm-hmm. but he was a little redundant. Now, Simmons on paper fits really well for this team. He can do the defense. He can just pass. He doesn't, you know, they can stick him in the dunker spot. Getting Seth Curry is really good because Seth Curry's like what Joe Harris is, like the best version of Joe Harris is Seth Curry. Um you have Andre Drummond, who like people still hate on Andre Drummond's, but like you know he's not he's he's fine. Like as a big man, he's he's what you need to throw at a body, and that's fine. Still uh, relatively young too. I think he's averaging huh? like nine boards later season. Yeah. I mean, who yeah, he's he's walking twelve and ten, no doubt. Yeah, go ahead, back. My bad. No, and then like, look here's the here's the thing for Philly. You're talking about two uh, ISO guys who've never played together with players like this. You're also talking about a player who's famously uh, sucks in clutch situations, being coached by the the number one coach when it comes to losing game sevens and blowing 3-1 leads. So I can't imagine at any point that's going to have some type of issue uh, if they come into another clutch position. Um, but look, it, it also depends. Apparently Harden is now um, skinny Harden, similar to when he was in uh, – Houston and he was fat for three weeks and then he showed up in uh, Brooklyn. They lost 40 pounds in 10 minutes. Apparently he's done the same thing in practice there, but like it's not healthy to lose that much weight that quick. Well, it's also because it's padding. <laughs> he's just, pretend, he's just pretending. The late, the late night BK runs. It, it's the, the million dollar uh, strip clubs. Oh, that's another thing. I don't know what the strip clubs are like in Philly, but uh, they're about to huge, see a huge influx. Uh, <laughs> I don't look, think bro, both teams, either, both teams, I think won this. It's it's gonna be interesting. Uh, so we'll we'll see. I, I look, I think it's it's yeah. good that it's finally done. I mean, it paid off for for Philly. They 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 held out because we were we've been talking about this. We've covered this on multiple pods. We're talking like maybe they'll get like uh, Ty, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, or maybe right. they'll get uh, Siakam, or something yeah. like that, or they, or they'll get like. D'Angelo Russell. They still got freaking James Harden. So it's not like they they essentially upgraded the spot where Steph Cur- Seth Curry was to James Harden. And yeah, yeah I mean, you're right. Didn't lose anything yeah. that much. 
And the added bonus too, is that they both complement the rosters that they're now joining too, because you're getting a motivated Harden who was in a bad position. He, he wanted out immediately as fast as possible. And same goes for Ben Simmons. So you're getting hyper-motivated players on brand new rosters where their role is carved out it's solidified and it's, and it's complimentary basketball because the one knock on the, the nets was that they couldn't stop anybody. They have really thin in their backcourt. Um, they didn't have the arm strength or the, the length to really contain guys. Ben Simmons is that guy. He's clearly the catalyst for that defense. Um, and he could be a nice compliment number two to KD and alleviate some of the pressure in transition. Um, and then the other thing too, with James Harden is now um, because of how, talented and widespread his ability is on the floor spacing and whatnot with James Harden on the offense. He can allow Embiid to work on the post, not clog up the lane. Um, their, their play and their style is more complimentary. So I think both teams won like Fox said. Um, and, and I think more so Brooklyn got a lot of nice additional minutes between Drummond and Curry for the future when, they're going to be running a lot of new guys on that rotation out, depending on health um, and depending on the schedule as well. Yeah. Well, also, like the other thing there, I mean, they're still down like 17 first round picks for the hard trade. And <laughs> Bill Sapp was leaving. I thought they had released him. I didn't realize they hadn't released him yet. I thought he was getting he was going to be uh, waived anyway. So, I mean, the fact that you turned, I assumed it was a salary matching thing for him into into that is fine. But it'll be it. like the real thing is like, does Philly want to pay James Harden like fifty million dollars in like three years? I guess that will be only decided if they can win now. This could be the final moment of the process that has been talking about for almost half a decade now. Just the process. And oh, I figure, man. you know, in this Woodow mentality they will worry down the line if they want to give him that major extension or not. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's an interesting thing. Um, I don't know when Simmons is going to be able to, when he is going to play. I don't know what his status is like vaccine wise. I have to assume he's vaccinated. Yeah. Um, uh, but I don't know like where he would have to be for his conditioning. I, I think Hard's coming back after the, the, the playoffs and the, uh, the all-star break. Cause he's still nursing his hamstring, but look, I mean, it's it's going to be the 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 East is is going to be a bloodbath. The two series I want to see is I want to say see Cleveland play Toronto, and I want to see um, uh, Philly play Brooklyn. I mean, that's in the cards based on like how bad Brooklyn has been uh, the last couple of weeks. Granted, it's all essentially been without like Durant. Yeah, yeah. they were on a ten game losing streak up until you yesterday. Could, you could easily get Philly and Brooklyn the second round, no doubt. Not first round. Yeah, for sure. With well, one, pictures were in the four seed. Yeah, let's let's do it. I, I don't care. First round, let, let them have it. Yeah, there's like there's like a game and a half of difference between like okay. the one and the six seed. Okay. Uh, it yo know, Cleveland could be the one seed. If Cleveland's the one seed, Dan Gilbert's gonna have a a fucking stroke jerk himself also. <laughs> like <laughs> back another time. I can't believe that fucking team works. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, the one thing now also looking at this down the line with Ben Simmons is. Was his quote unquote, you know, personal issues, was that a factor in why he couldn't make do in Philly? And now with this change of scenery, 
Can we see Ben Simmons unlock the potential everybody assumed he always has? Do you guys feel that that's the case? Do you feel that Ben Simmons is going to turn it on and this team can make a deep run now? Or was ultimately excuses, excuses when it comes to Ben Simmons? Well, I mean, if he does it, what's what's his other option? He's like done or or, or the, the Lakers trade him for Westbrook. Or one. <laughs> oh. I mean, like that. those are his options. Yeah, it's yeah. sort of his. Uh, my bad. My bad. Go ahead. No, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, I guess to some people, it kind of looks like one of his last chances to really prove himself. I mean, he looks happy. He looks happy over there. He's in the spotlight, you know. And that's his, like, you know, it's a big market. I mean, I think so. I, I mean, we still got to see how it plays out. I really like the, I really like seeing Seth and Drummond playing the other night. That was a really good debut for them guys. But um, as far as Ben Simmons, I think we still got to see. It's really one of those things. He's still young, kind of um, not really unpredictable, but you know what I mean? Like, you got to let it play out. But he looks happy. And the also, yeah. oh, go ahead, Matt. I was going to say the other thing down the line, too. For the net, for is if, um, yeah, whenever we see the things mesh well, and if they're going to play more than 16 games like Scary Hours did. What's up, Alex? Are you about to say a point? Yeah, I just think like with his personality issues and his and the personal issues that he was um, espousing to have at the beginning of the season, I think that had more to do with the end of the end result of last season. Uh, issues within the locker room. But now that he's out of that environment, I think those things kind of fall wayside, not to be facetious, but I just think that that's how a lot of these younger players handle um, their personal, you know, business with, and with the team and the organization as well. Um, I think they kind of oftentimes shroud it under this, you know, umbrella of like um, mental health and kind of stretch that boundary a little bit when it's due and when it's undue. So I think he'll be in a lot better opportunity now with Brooklyn where he doesn't have to be the guy. Um, He can let Durant take over and let Kyrie run some of the offense as well. Okay. Okay. And then um, now also with the bigger picture down the line with Brooklyn is Kyrie Irvin. Now we know at this moment, he's still playing road games. Now we're seeing, you know, obviously the reason why, that Kyrie isn't playing is because of the mass mandate laws in New York city, preventing him to play. Well, yes, yes. That's what I meant. Um, the issues with the mass now as we, now we are seeing a transition. We're seeing some more legislations and mass mandates. We're seeing these rules get lifted. Do we see this happening at all in the city of New York by May and June when, they are major playoff games. Bach, I know you especially have a hold on this, being involved in knowing pol- the political world very well. Do you see Kyrie coming in, playing home games at all before the end of the season because of mass mandate law changes? Well, no, because he's being held up for the vaccine. Um, the, I, I, I'm going to say probably no. Um, and there's there's two caveats to this. One, we have no idea what this what's what's going to pop up in like three months if there's going to be another variant um, that changes things. Uh, that could always throw everything into curve. Also, um, there's the other thing of uh, Eric Adams is kind of a dick. Um, so 
<laughs> As we agreed on. Uh, sure. I don't see, like, I think there's, there's a chance, like, just to spite Nets fans, he would, like, not bring it up. Quite every. <laughs> he would do it simply, simply out of personal spite, huh? Look, my man's my man's is, is is a wildin' dude. He said you can't tell the difference between people eating cheese and people eating uh, and people who are hooked on drugs. He he made his brother the commissioner for the police, even though he had no qualifications. This dude is what like it. He be he is like a wildin' dude. It is it is pretty wild that he won. He may not even live in New York. It's 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 everywhere. My <laughs> man's is it's, it's pretty. Just, these people are self and they're not they're not voted for. No, it's uh it's not a uh I don't I don't see it happening. Um I mean we would have to get to cuz look. So this is uh, uh another thing with that um as well. The uh there the, you have to understand like where the numbers are um in general. So we're around we vary between about 2500 and 3300 deaths per day over the last 2 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um even even if we get everyone vaccinated, we're still averaging around three hundred ish vaccinated death people deaths a day. Um, so we're still talking like a, a a high level of death. It's still that's still uh, forty thousand deaths, uh, uh, forty five hundred deaths a, a, a month. Um, that's certainly higher than flu numbers, but that's much more manageable than three thousand. So if we end up with some type of high vaccination surge, which has not existed at any point during this country's history with the vaccines uh, for this pandemic, maybe, but I, I, I don't see it unless like the other variant, the next variant that pops up is, is like essentially useless compared to the people who've already gotten Omicron and then the three boosters. But uh, we don't, well, people, I, it's too difficult to know. Yeah. I mean, even if there's a new variant that pops up, it's going to be less virulent and more transmissible. That's how these, that's how these viruses work. That's just common, common knowledge. Um, I mean, even if a new variant pops up, I think a lot of these cities, if they're playing their politics correctly, they'll start to ease up on things now that the midterms are coming up. So if they know what's good for them, they're going to ease up on restrictions. Well, I mean that first off, that's not, I mean, this is, this is clearly offsetting, um, from what our main topic is, but that's not even good politics. No, I know. Like, like, even if we talk about like these are less viral and or more viral and less deadly, Delta mm-hmm. was both more viral and more deadly than Alpha. So just to say it like that is not is not entirely accurate with this disease, and it depends on the virality because this was like three and a half times as uh, as viral, um, yep. and. Uh, but also those death numbers that you were talking about, is that people that are dying from COVID or is it people in the hospital that are dying and they have COVID? Are you asking me for versus with? Yeah. I don't think those numbers make any difference because, it the, it, you know, because look, by, by that definition, nobody has died from AIDS. So. Yeah. Because the, the, uh, it, it, so I, I hear this a lot and I, and I'm going to be honest. Um, I don't have, an answer because nobody who to who asked me this question could ever give me an answer of what they think the numbers are for people who are like come in with a broken leg and then they they test positive for COVID and they count that as like COVID cases. Like if you can give me numbers for that or uh, and something, I'd be honest to say. Um, All right, that's cool, totally, cool. That's totally fair. Yes, right. I, and just last last point on this, and then we'll switch it. Why I also brought it up. 
Oh, I was going to thought you, I thought you were going to finish your thought, but anyways, we definitely hear that it is very vital information, but um, having said all this though, regardless of the politics coming into this and Kyrie's playing status, do you still think the Nets can make a run if Kyrie's a part-time player? Yeah, it's going to be, they still can't think so. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I definitely think so. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. Well, <laughs> Like I, I said, I, we'll we'll see I, how this plays out. You were saying? Oh, just the last quick point. I think yes, they definitely can, but it's going to come down to Steve Steve Nash's management of the, of the rotation. Because if you're planning for home games versus road games, it's going to throw a huge kink into how many minutes you can give guys and um, where spots down the stretch of games. Right, right. So obviously, the biggest trade of this deadline, and. After the All-Star game, we'll see how this play plays out once and for all. So I also want to go to Bach. As you mentioned on the top of this show, the Spurs are very busy in this trade deadline. They're acquiring players like Gordon Dragic and Richardson and Langford, um, Sadoransky from Houston. The Spurs were very busy and completely changed their roster. First, as a fan, how do you feel about this? And then where do you see this ultimately resulting into for a team that so far isn't really a playoff contender? Good. We're actually building, doing the rebuild. So there's a couple things. Uh, one, when we did the the trade with Portland, um, we got, hold on, I actually have this pulled up uh, mm-hmm. just so I can, because it was a three-team trade. So we did the three-team trade, which uh, we got to talk about that because fucking the Pelicans got robbed like on every trade <laughs> they did. Uh, Including a big got- Bradley Beal trade. <laughs> No, no, the uh, the Thomas. So we got Saransky and a second round pick essentially for nothing. Oh, for for one Horner Gomez. Um, (laughs) Like. That's fine. We got a pick out of it. Uh, We'll do something with um, what's his face? Uh, uh, Saransky, he's he's useful sometimes. I imagine he's just like filler. The the Thad Young trade, though, I'm, I'm upset about. Because I really thought we were going to be able to flip him to get Jalen Smith, who we actually could have used from the Suns. And then the fucking Pacers got him for Torrey Craig and Cash. Um, so we did get a first rounder for that. Um, uh, uh, we got, um, let's see what else we got. So the Dragic trade, I was a little surprised about. Um, mostly because we didn't then flip him. We just kind of let him go. So we got a first rounder for that. I'm okay with that. I'm upset we didn't like try to flip him for anything else. Um, the Derek White trade. So it's good that we moved on from Derek White because he, he didn't like the ceiling was there. His like we have the the Derek White moment as a spur was uh, like three years ago when we were playing the Nuggets and he dropped 35 and he, he posterized um, uh, Paul Millsap. That was like his the peak for Derek White. Um, Getting getting Josh Richardson's fine. He can help on the, the bench. Romeo Langford will do a thing. Maybe we have him for next year. Um, but the real thing is we got that 2028 first round pick swap. That's the big key for that. So we have three first rounders now. Um, the projected the projected ones for um this draft are we have number six, number 18, and number 20. I didn't realize we were that bad for a six. So there's a really good chance that we can end up in a top with the top five pick this year. Um because I, I don't even know who's behind us, but we're we're relatively bad. And like at this point, it's just Dejounte Murray doing Dejounte Murray things, and then everyone else on the team kind of sucks. Um, also, Dejounte Murray is the number one 
uh, in triple doubles in Spurs history, and he just made the All Star team, which he should have made originally instead of being a replacement player. But that's not the point. Um, but we're 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 gonna rebuild. It's gonna be weird. We got a lot of bites at the apple. Um, we can still. It's not like we can't flip guys. Um, we could. There's still possibly a Yaka portal trade in the in the off season because we have um, we have uh, Jack Landry, we have Zach Collins, um, depending on who we end up with the in the in the draft. Because I'm 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 going to be honest. I'm terrified we end up in the top three and not number one because I just know we're going to end up with Chet Holgren. and I don't. I like. I I can't watch Chet Holgren for 15 years. I, <laughs> the dude weighs like essentially the same as I do, and he's seven feet tall. Um, nothing about him makes sense on a basketball court. I, I really want, um, uh, I really want the, the kid from Auburn and I don't want the kid from Duke. The kid can't, he, he can't, doesn't know how to drink water. Um, but they, yeah, look, it's weird to be, to like this. I, I think I like what we're doing mostly. I still don't like the primo pick. Um, but I, I think there's a potential, um, Jakob Hurdle, Lonnie Walker trade in the future. Devin Vass, the Vassal is going to be really good. So I'm very excited about this. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, you know, we, we're, we're stacking assets and, uh, I'm excited for the future. I, I love DeJounte Murray is like mm-hmm. one of my favorite players. So how long do you think it will take for your team to be truly competitive again? Could this flip around next season? Are you going to wait a couple years until you see those picks ultimately turned into assets? Where do you see your team finally be in the powerhouse they were again? Well, I, look, we got one of the 10 best players of all time 20 years ago. And then, um, you know, it's hard to, and then Kevin Tim Duncan. Um, so unless we end up with somebody in this draft, who's a Tim Duncan type, we're not going to be like that. We're probably a couple of years out or if somebody like, I don't even know who would be on the market that we could get that would just rapidly change our town. Like, are we getting towns? Like if we could get towns, that would be like a big deal. Um, I, I don't know who else, like we're not getting Dame. We're not getting, like, like who, who is available that would come into like other than towns or John Collins. We still, I still don't understand how we haven't figured out how to get John Collins yet. I would like John Collins on the roster. Um, I look, I think we're going to build it slow because look, even if we, we get guys in like the thirties, the the twenties, uh, the mid twenties, this isn't like with Boston where they had like a bajillion picks. We can actually like develop our guys. Like everyone who comes into San Antonio is infinitely better when they are coming for San Antonio. Um, so even if they're not like superstars, there'll be solid picks that we could flip for something else in the future. You can, you can build the foundation of rotational guys, enough of them to like go get a star, um, or, or something to be part of and to build things. Like you just keep throwing it out for assets. So, uh, I, I can't tell you because I don't know where we end up at the draft. Maybe if we figure that out later, um, but like to be the perennial contenders, we're probably like half a decade out, um, there's like a lot of the teams that are on the rise. Like Jokic is still at 26. The Grizzlies are still rising. Uh, the Minnesota might be good next year. Um, maybe at some point Zion will stop being fat. Um, Luca still exists. Um, LeBron is still there. Like the Lakers are doing a thing, but you know, he's still there. Um, maybe at one point the Kings will figure it out. Golden State, uh, yeah. like we're, we're probably a half decade out. Um, yeah. Unless we like, and unless we like, unless like realistically, unless we get like a top pick this year, where we get a Monty Bates next year. Um, that's really all I know. 
Yeah, I think it's like I think it's like six teams in the West at the top, kind of like you were mentioning, like Suns, Warriors, Grizzlies, Jazz, Mavs, Nuggets, and then everything else I think is interchangeable the next immediate future, like the next five years or so. I think everything else is subject to change from there. Hear that, hear that. So another team that has a similar trajectory at the moment and a team who is right under box spurs the Sacramento Kings made the Sacramento Kings made a big trade as well right before the deadline. So while trading with the Indiana Pacers, Indiana sends Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, Demonis Sabonis, and a two, 2023 second round pick to the Kings. While the Kings ship out Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. So also including this was the Pacers given. Karis LeVert away to the um, to the Cavs. The Pacers dump everybody to go young as they're also completing the rebuild too. But focusing on the Kings specifically, a franchise that truly has been in the dark forever, essentially losing to Shaq and Kobe um, has you know kept them in out of the limelight ever since. But do we see the Kings now? having a more respectful way of going things where you have Darian Fox, who's obviously a big player on the watch now bringing in Sabonis, who has been a truly great rising star to watch in the NBA. Do we see now the pieces coming together for the Kings, similar to how the Bulls made so many acquisitions last year's trade deadline. And now that they're a major threat in the East, do we think this is the West coast version right here with the Kings. No, no, you say no. no. Why is that? No, because they made a mistake. They, they, they first off, they took four, three guards and four drafts and the one draft draft. They, they didn't take a guard. They should have taken a guard because he was the better than all the other guards. Um, and that was when they took Bagley, which I swear to God, I can't wait for like, like a 30 for 30 on what decided that Marvin Bagley was the choice over fucking Luca or Trey up. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> And again, they traded the best guard that they had. Tyler Halliburton was the best was the best guard they had. Yeah. Um, and oh, again, I, and I talked about this to you guys on Instagram. I do not understand why if you were going to trade Halliburton, you wouldn't trade him for Simmons. Like there was a chance there that they could have gotten that for like Buddy Heald and uh, and for probably a similar package. Um, that's that's just what it is like. Simmons would have fit better. Um, he would have. Uh, he he makes more sense because they put some bonus on a team that has no shooting. De'Aaron Fox isn't a shooter. Mitchell isn't a shooter. Uh, but he was the best shooter. Like, do you going to put some bonus next to Richard Holmes, who you just extended? Like, this makes no sense. Um, this is this is making a. Uh, um, this is making a. Uh, a mistake, a compounding your mistakes by making more mistakes. This was a, a disaster anyway. Ooh, nice strong words with disaster. Do you guys think this is a disaster as well? And Alex and Dolo, Dolo, tell me your thoughts of this trade. Do you also feel the same way as Bach or a little different? I mean, honestly, I was a little bit more mad at it at, at the beginning. You know, um, Halliburton's was easily their best player. Um, Buddy Hill is a great shooter. 
Oh, I'm decent. Good shooter. Good shooter. Uh, Tristan Thompson, I mean... Hasn't been relevant I mean, you in know, four years. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, yeah. And then there is that whole rumor, that whole controversy of him telling uh, that girl, like, oh, I'm going to retire next year, so don't expect any child support money. <laughs> I, I think now he has to pay, like, $12 million in child support. I think he's going to be playing ball for another... Uh, he's probably going to be in the league for a little while trying to scrap up as much money as he can to pay his baby mothers. Anyways... Um, <laughs> honestly, like, uh, yeah, I mean, them getting Sabonis was, I mean, kind of weird. I mean, I seeing them play, I, and I was able to watch the highlights of the Nets and Kings game the other night. I mean, seeing Sabonis and, and De'Aaron Fox, you know, it seems like they, they, they play okay off rip, you know, they, they play decently off rip. I mean, seeing them play kind of made it feel a little better. I mean, okay. They, they play decent. Um, but yeah, they should not have gotten rid of uh, Halliburton and Buddy Hield for sure. Um, yeah, the Kings is one of Kings is really a weird franchise, honestly. Like, I can't believe they had Demarcus Cousins at one point. <laughs> well, then they've had, really... had picks in the past, but the the current present um, ownership is just so poor. Like, kind of like Box said, like the decision making to have all those picks and whiff on all those guards year after year is just it's devastating. You don't recover from that because draft capital is is the highest capital in the league, and that's the only way you're going to turn it around in short order. Um, I like the move to get some bonus, but they just gave up too much shooting, and it's a shooter's league, and it's hard to compete in the West if you're gonna um, if you're gonna no pun intended shoot yourself in the foot. So yeah, what they gave up and what they got wasn't that's the thing the guy yeah. lost the trade but it wasn't that getting bad. getting some shooting would help certainly but they they're just like a weirdly constructed team um yeah they're they're undersized uh their guards aren't really like great like sabonis and and fox would be good together if you had like any spacing or any like, like not- trust in that team they have, no, um, they have no roster around that yeah harrison barnes is okay like i mean sure. there was like the first two weeks where he averaged like 28 a game um. Uh. So. Yeah, he, yeah, he's still a solid wing, but you know, it, it, they're they're just poorly constructed. Like you have a nice one-two punch between Sabonis and Fox, but there's really no supporting cast to go for the ride, and you need shooting in this league to stay competitive. Yeah, and and it doesn't solve their like defensive issues. And then look, Rashard, like, what are you doing with Rashard Holmes? Like, like he's still solid. Like, honestly. You know what? I, this is this is gonna be a homer uh, moment, but uh, uh, underrated on under <laughs> an underrated trade. Actually, that's not true. This, that would be a bad trade now that I think about it. If they could get Lonnie Walker, that would certainly help them because he's like the quintessential guy who like kind of could be like a shooter in theory, but isn't like really a shooter. That it would make sense for them to get. And if they like traded like Rashard like Holmes Walker. for it, but we we have we have enough big men, so we don't need him. Um, Never mind. Like I don't even know. Maybe they. Maybe the fucking uh, Dallas could have used them. Dallas could have used them because they have no big guys. Actually, that's not true. They still have Moses Brown. They they traded for him and didn't do anything with him. Well, they're fully all in on having having uh, Luca be the centerfold because I mean we'll talk about it after. But moving Porzingis, that just tells you it's all, they're all in on Luca now. Everything's around him. Yeah, we can even get into it right away. So the other big deal, um, the. So another big deal that took place right before the deadline, the Mavericks send Christoph Porzingis to the Wizards. The Wizards get KP, 
and the second round pick in the draft this year. And then uh, the Mavs get Spencer Dimwitty and Davis Burton. I'll start with Dolo with this one as well. What do you think of this while the Mavs are still competing? Now they are fifth in the West right now. How do we uh, feel about the KP era ending? I'll just say one thing. The Knicks definitely won that trade when they let him go all those years ago. I mean, well, I mean, him going to the Wizards is like, I mean, that's like, I don't know how to put it, like, uh, not good. Uh, I mean, well, it's just kind of funny, honestly. Like, um, yeah, like you get. I mean, I kind of feel like Luca was, you know, who they were folks like who the Mavs were focusing on, um, for for a little while now. So I'm not too surprised by it, but uh. And yeah, apparently they didn't get along that well, so I'm not really too sure about that. Um, I feel like Spencer Dinwiddie. I feel like that's gonna be good experience for him playing with Luca. I feel like you know he could learn a lot from Luca, and you know that might that might end up good for him as far as his career. But um, yeah, they. I think the Mavs just gotta make some more moves. I, I wouldn't know off the top of my head what they should do, but I don't. It's definitely not the end for them. Um, I don't think it's enough. You know they they're gonna need some more. They need some more than that, but um, as far as uh, Porzingis, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, he's on the Wizards now. That's all I can really say about that. That's I mean, <laughs> the end of his rope. Well, Pretty I mean, much, look, yeah. they traded him at the height of his his worth. He he had been relatively healthy this season. He was playing well. The problem is they got back bad contracts. Like Stenson did what he's playing like dog shit. Um, uh, yeah. Jared Bertans is a shooter who can't shoot. Um, so, like, they had to move one bad contract to get two, and which could essentially be moved a little bit easier than Porzingis's one, but it's not, like, a great thing. And especially if they they sign Drogic like they're kind of expected to, it doesn't make sense either. Um, so I don't know if, if it's probably that they couldn't get Porzingis for a uh, – um, for for anything else like like it wasn't going to work you if you have the but to be fair to them in hindsight every team makes the trade for Porzingis that the the Mavericks did they gave up essentially nothing for him at that point and if Porzingis is healthy we're talking about a different we're we're not they're not making this trade um the like it's he just hasn't been healthy that's what it was like it would it in theory he fits with Luca. Um but on the court he just didn't. He was never healthy uh when they needed him. And you know, he wasn't the same player they thought they were getting in New York. Um but I mean they do that trade again ten out of ten times. Um this this just shows you how far his stock has fallen. And I think similar to when they traded him originally, the fact that there was like no market out there, like because I don't even know who else they would have traded for him. Um like there, there's no, there's not really a lot of teams that could have like moved this sap. Like maybe the, like if they gave up like two or three first rounders, do you think they could have given them to the to the Thunder, and he could have been uh, taught uh, Poku how to play basketball? Um, like there just wasn't a lot. I, but I think this is more for the Wizards. They, they, they got no idea what the fuck they're doing. Um, they, they gave up. I cannot believe they did not trade Bradley Beal. You have to trade a player when he's like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of not sure if I want to be here anymore. <laughs> right. I think getting him having the, the, the surgery like right at, right before this happened certainly didn't help. But like when we saw that, I was like, he, he's gone. 
Like you can't keep a guy who's like, maybe I want to stay here, maybe I don't. And also, they have 19 fucking power forwards. They got who is Porzingis going to displace? They got they got Kuzma, they got um they got Roy Hachimura, they got Denny Avita, they got um they got Gafford, they got uh, Thomas Bryant. Like where where does Porzingis fit in that glut of of, of big people? <laughs> are they are they going to try to do what the uh, the Kings with the the um with the the Cavs did with their three big lineup? Well, who is your who is your um uh, Evan Mobley then? Is it is it it's not Kuzma? Is it Denny Avita? Are you hoping Denny Avita grows two feet and then becomes like amazing? Although I, I'm not gonna lie, I still wanted Denny Avita in San Antonio. Uh, maybe it's because he's Israeli. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this was. I think this was a matter of shifting assets. I think it, even though you know, like you guys alluded to, Dinwiddie's had a down year by the numbers, and same with Bertans. But you know, they are shooting threats at the end of the day. Like they're gonna go into the playoffs. They're gonna have to play honest defense against them. And Mavs have just made a made it clear, you know, if they haven't already, that they're all in on just putting pieces around um, Luca the same way they kind of did with that Orlando team about um, 11, 12 years ago with, with Dwight, just surrounding him with shooters all over the place, even though obviously Luca's a tremendous dynamic player. But um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what it comes down to when they try to transform those assets, because I'm assuming they're on very short contracts. And like you got, and like you mentioned back, like, who knows what the hell the Wizards are doing because they lost their window is closing on moving Beal and trying to get, you know, even a semblance of um, equity back for him. So that that's, that's gotta be a troubling situation. If they haven't learned the lesson from the John wall contract, um, it's, <laughs> it's not going to look good for them in the near future. The issue with the NBA is that the NFL doesn't have is you can't make a tremendous jump from, fir- from, from worst to first, um, you know, within a year, it takes three or four years because but the, you have the to cap yourself, yeah, but I mean, you have to dig yourself out of a hole so quickly. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a lot more difficult to do. Yeah. But like they, they're not good. They're not in a place where they can be bad enough to, to dig themselves out. They gotta, they gotta figure out what they have and they don't have, like, they have a whole bunch of like solid, like the question really comes down to, do you believe Bradley Beal could be the best or the second best player on your team? And if you believe he could be the second best player, well, you have to go get your number one. How are you going to get your number one? Um, Cause he's not on the roster. And and then if you trade him, like who's going to trade for Bradley Beal? Like, like I understand that, like, like, like where are the actual assets coming from for Bradley Beal? You're not going to trade him for McCollum. You're not going to trade like Denver, maybe. It's not that people won't trade for him. It's just where the asset's going to come from. Yeah. So, like, that's what is I'm it, asking. Like, who is going to trade for Bradley? Right. Who, like, what team do you think is is it thinks they were Bradley Beal away from from competing? Um, I would have thought it would be like Dallas could have realistically taught themselves talked themselves into that. Um, but they're not going to do that because Porzingis was their best trade piece. Uh, the Grizzlies. Think the Grizzlies are going to trade for Bradley Beal. Like, like. The Nuggets a couple years ago made sense. Maybe, um, yeah. Maybe, but not anymore. <laughs> I, I just don't see where the, the market, like the thing, if the thing of not trading for Simmons early, like it worked out for Daryl Morey, but it hurt a lot of these teams who really had the options. Cause I do think James Harden probably was the third option if you had to pick um, for like of the three superstars between Lillard, Beal, and, and Harden. I think Harden was the third option. It would have been my third option if I had to pick one. But I think we're also talking about Daryl Morey, who apparently is now trying to bring back D'Antoni because fuck it, why not? Um, 
But no, this is this is a weird trade. It doesn't make any sense. It's it all. It's a lot of fringe stuff that uh, I don't really know where they go. Um, I don't know where they go from here. I mean, it's not look. It's not the worst trade that was done. It's probably the weirdest though. Mm-hmm. Let's take those deep words right there. And I guess the other trade, the other trade before we talk about a couple teams that didn't make a trade, as mentioned briefly, the Karis Lever going to the Cavs. Cavs are the third best team in the East right now. Jared Allen turning into a legit all-star. I mean, such a powerful setter in the in that court. Uh, I mean, Rajon Rondo has been contributing. Karis LeVert already making an impact. Darius Garland, who is an all-star this year, having a breakout year. Baki, as you mentioned, the Cavs were able to go from worst to first. They only had 22 wins last season, and then they already surpassed that by 10 wins already. I mean, what about the Cavs who are turning into such an interesting team? And even though it's obvious to say this Cavs team's really good without a LeBron James on it, I guess uh, there's something worth noting there. How do we feel about the Cavs right now? Uh, look, the Levert's trade makes kind of sense. They didn't really give up a lot for him. Um, it makes sense in the the uh, in a vacuum. I still like my trade better for them. The the uh, Isaac Kokobo for Kobe White uh, trade. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this is fine. I think really the trade that we we were not talking about that we should is the uh, the, the Pelicans trade with uh, the Blazers. Um, but look, this is an interesting team. They're still super young. Karis Levert has some flaws, like actual like real flaws that are a problem. Um, but he fits this team for now. I think he's still on a relatively reasonable contract. They still do have pieces they could trade. They have the, uh, you know, you make him play with Kevin Love off the bench. Um, and that's a that's a decent two-man team there. Uh, you still te- technically have the, the Colin Sexton asset uh, for a sign-in trade this, this offseason. Um, you know, they're, a, uh, they, they're an interesting team that's that's doing a thing. I, I think mm-hmm. the, the, their ceiling is really, like, how good could Evan Mobley be? Like that kid is unbelievably good, um, and it's it's going to be one of those drafts where we're going to look back and go, "Holy shit!" Any of these guys should have been number one. I don't know if Daily Green's ever going to get to that point, but I think Evan Mobley is going to be in one of those. Like in two years down the line, we're like, "The fuck did anyone draft this guy number one?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they have kind of the next man up mentality, um, just with everything they've gone through with injuries and turnover this year. Um, they're just playing with house money. They're playing loose. They're playing young and fast, and um, they're catching everybody by surprise, kind of similar to how Chicago did, but with different leadership, um, obviously. But, um, yeah, they're definitely outperforming expectations. And in the East, you know, this is kind of what we expect teams to fluctuate from 10 to 3 in in a week's time and vice versa, um, just with the margin being so slim and um, the teams, you know, win totals changing over year after year. So, um, you know, I'm definitely happy for them. I think they have a really nice core evolving with Mobley and um, Jared Allen in their front court. And then they got, um, and then the Levert trade is, is definitely huge uh, moving forward. So I'm, I'm excited to see what they are. You know, it, it, they look like, they look like they have, they have real potential in the playoffs um, and we'll see. All right. And, you know, circling back to that Pelicans deal, as you mentioned. So, yes, and I assume this will add to the 
Pelicans fucking up in the draft. <laughs> Take that uh, Bach was talking about. But Portland traded CJ McCullough, Larry Nance Jr., Tony Snell to the New Orleans Pelicans in exchange for Josh Hart, Nikola Alexander Walker, Tomas Sadorowski, Didi Lozanda, and a protected 2022 first round pick. And they also get Portland's tw- second round pick and um, New Orleans' 2027 second round pick. But, anyways, lots of picks, lots of names. Lots of bodies changed. Bach, I would love to hear your take on this deal. Was this the ultimately the deal that set you off once and for all regarding the Pelicans' moves? No, they robbed them. The, the Pelicans robbed them. They won this deal by a landslide. It's not even close. Mm-hmm. Um, then Portland then rerouted Nikola Alexander Walker to to Utah for um, for Joe Ingles, who's not playing at all this year. I mean, clearly they're hoping they suck enough to get a top ten pick. Um, and then rebuild around uh, Dame, but they like I don't know what they're doing. They've they've traded essentially all of their mistakes or all their best players like for like nonsense. Um, the the Pelicans that was a solid trade. Like if you're looking for a guy to to complement Zion and Ingram, um, CJ McCollum's a solid choice, and they gave up essentially nothing for it. Um, Larry Nance Jr. is a good pickup. It's a solid. He's a solid like wing guy who could be a, a decent defender and he's like versatile. So he could work next to Zion. He could work next to, um, he could work next to Valanciunas. You know, he doesn't need to to touch the ball a lot. He's like a, a mini Draymond type thing. Um, it look, they fleeced him. It's, it's incredible that th- this deal happened. Like they, he's look, they're not going to be good until they get Zion back. Um, but he's McCollum's the type of player that you, you go and you get, if you need to like level up a little bit with the Zion. Um, maybe that convinces him to say, look, the real issue is he's in fucking New Orleans and he won't stop eating jambalaya. And by the next time we see him, he's going to be 350 pounds. Um, but this is they they won this trade. It's like I Portland is making like this is a teardown without any hope of like coming out. They, they're OK. So you're going to replace McCollum now next year with Simmons, Simons, who's, you know, not bad, but. What else? What else have you gotten for the uh, for Powell? You gave, basically gave up Gary Trent Jr. to end up with a guy who I don't even know, and then like uh, uh, Justice Winslow and Eric Bledsoe, who I assume they're going to reroute at some point. The Portland, Portland, I don't know what they're doing, but like poor Chauncey. Chauncey's like one of my favorite players of all time, and he got he got a he got shafted this year for this this coaching uh, job because they, this team is a is a is a mess. Can it be cleaned up with a Dame move in the summer? I, I depends on what the Dame move is. I, like, look, it depends on where they end up in the draft. It depends on what, like, if you're moving Dame for like, let's say somehow, uh, fucking, I, I don't know who's like a Dame away from competing. Some some team that's like ends up with a pick that they shouldn't end, like like Boston or something. Like maybe the they're a Dame move, huh? No, the Knicks, the Knicks, look, if the Knicks end up with a top three pick, they would absolutely trade it for Dame in a heartbeat. That, that's <laughs> the type of shit that they would do. That would be, you know, that would, they wouldn't fix the, the, the Portland, but that's really their best choice. Like what else? Like who else? This is similar to the Bradley Beal thing. Like Dame's available, but like who's trading for Dame? Especially after, you know, he's basically been out for the entirety of the year with this app thing. Um, I mean, other than the Knicks, like, but what do the Knicks have that you want? 
I think the Lakers still the able with an AD trade. You think they're not trading AD for for for, for Dave? That's that yep. that's not happening. up on that. That no way. Um, I like trying to think like who else? Who else at the top <laughs> could need him? Uh, yeah, I mean, I trained Dave for Kyrie. Like trying to think, like, do the Hornets trade for Damian Lillard? <laughs> or the Mavs? Or uh, I mean, like maybe Cleveland played trades for him. They do some type of Colin Sexton, Kevin Love, something. They all gotta go to get Dame. <laughs> You know, you know what I haven't thought of too. We're talking about untradeable like assets. I'm wondering if, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't know the salary cap balance on this, um, in terms of the, the trade of, of the assets. But what if the Grizzlies made a move on Beal? Okay, but like who? Like the because I think he'd be it would be a little easier now because I think he's going to be expiring next year. Uh, yeah. The question is like who are the Grizzlies going to get? So you're going to give up Bane? Like you have to give up Bane. Um. And then I, I would imagine, like, whatever the salary filler for that is. Yeah. I, that's the only team, like, that I could think trading for Beal would, like, make a difference. Uh, just in terms of teams that could take, like, could take it to the next level, I'm just thinking. Right. I mean, it's, it's easier to get to the next level with a healthy game than it is with a healthy Beal. But the question is, like, who's going who's gonna to trade for a healthy Beal? Like, you don't, like, Boston needs a, they need, they need a Chris Paul. They don't need a Beal. They, right. they need a, a guard to like settle them down. Yeah. Um, you know, there's only like the Knicks could use a, be, uh, a a Dame because they'll like blow the roof off every time he shows up and they'll win, you know, 45 games and get bounced in the first round. Um, you know, like there's only a handful of teams like Chicago doesn't need them. Most teams have point guards. Um, and it seems like the team. Or like mid market, like Nuggets, T Wolves, and stuff like that. I don't. Yeah, think the T Wolves maybe like like what would you do? D'Angelo Russell and like they're not they're not giving up Towns and they're not going to give up uh, Edwards. Right. Right. So who are you going to give up? I know. Uh, Issue. Yeah, another question that time will have to answer for us. And just speaking of a couple of teams that didn't make moves in the dead before the deadlines end, the Knicks. You know, I think it's 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 fair to say that the Knicks extremely underachieved this season. And again, when you lose to the second worst team in the Thunder and you have a kid named Josh Giddy score 28, 12 and 11, getting a triple double at 19 oh, against us. Matt, who was once a Knicks good. fan. Giddy is good. <laughs> who was all giddy about it? who a Knicks team that was once a dominant defensive team that really didn't change much of the roster, but so much to soak in with the Knicks first, obviously Julius Randall has turned into a true canker sore to all of us. I've never seen a player have such a fall from grace who was so beloved six months ago. And then now everybody wants him out. He literally flips off the crowd. He doesn't support teammates like he does. He will show up on a primetime game like against the Lakers, but will not look like he gives a shit like against the Thunder last night. Obviously, Kemba and Evan Fournier has turned into a true disaster. We're expecting Kemba to be bought out this week, turning a major L there. But 
the development of Quinta Grimes might be promising. But and also, like I said, Evan Fournier, a, a failed acquisition, and Leon Rose looks like how we feel dead on arrival. If you saw that pick of him just knocked out. And people already even questioning, can Thibs be the one to to make the big to lead this team after all? I mean, for somebody who already won coach of the year, there are people really making cases for him to be outed. I mean, when you have. have, hmm? All right. I mean, you can you you can keep going. I have so many thoughts. Uh, Oh, yeah. Just the last thing I was going to say is like when you know. This front office also gives him players and make moves for, you know, Cam Reddish barely gets minutes. I mean, eight minutes is his average since he's gone on. And it just, we somehow became dysfunctional once again. And not saying, um, you know, it's not like I expected them to be a top three play team in the East, but I didn't think that they'd at least be comfortable not playing in a playing game, but I doubt we'll even get to that point. So the Knicks have turned into a real mess already waiting for the summer so they can see if they can make these moves once and for all. But the Knicks, Bach, I'd love to hear what you got to say. Is it too late to tell you I told you so? Because uh, I told you so. Um, I yes, saying it's, this- uh, it's fair to say um, uh, I, uh, you're definitely right. I can't deny I, I that. I said you this told last so. year. Um, the they overachieved to an unimaginable level. The statistics on their defense, like for the shots that people were, it wasn't even like they were flying all over the place and stuff. It was like wide open shots for like an entirety of a year. The opposing team shot like 10% below the average. It was like a, such a stupid number that made like absolutely no sense. Um, And then Julius Randle decided like, I'm going to start hitting every difficult shot. I'm like, this is not sustainable at no level was this sustainable. Um, it's this is what happens when it all comes back down to earth. Now, there is the the, the the current argument that maybe Tibbs isn't the guy who gets you over the top, but he's the guy that gets you like he gets your house in order. Like you hire Tibbs for like two years. Uh, he runs if anyone who survives being run into the ground is a better team for the next development coach, for the guy who takes you to the promised land. Like a Mark Jackson to the Warriors set the team up and then Kerr just comes in and wins. Yeah, something like that. Uh uh, that that's that's something we're talking about. Like um, the other thing is, look, the Kemba thing was obvious. It was obvious like two years ago he was cooked. Um, Derrick Rose is nice. Um, the Fournier thing was was good for like a little bit, um, but this team is I, I don't know where you go from here. Um, I like I don't I, I the Cam Reddish thing is so weird to me. Like I want Cam Reddish. Like if I was a team that had <laughs> yeah. like. If I if I could take a flyer on a young guy, Cam Reddish is one of them. Like like, especially he was, and they gave up essentially nothing for him. Like Kevin Knox hasn't been a, a an NBA rotational player essentially since he was drafted. Um, yeah, like, wasted and, and like at no pick. point was he good. Um, <laughs> he, I, 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 it's still mind boggling they took him over Michael Porter Jr. Uh, like even about Porter, like the, the year and a half of Porter Jr. was more impactful than Kevin Knox. Um, like, I I don't know where you go from here. Um, RJ is okay. Um, you know, you you're gonna have a bidding war with, with Detroit for uh, for Mitchell Robinson. At some point, he'll stay healthy and get on the court. Um, but you got you got a problem. I, you can't move Julius Randle. Like I don't. Who's gonna trade for Julius Randle at this point? Um. You know, it it seems like a dysfunctional team. Yeah, uh, Obi Toppin's doing. Orleans. 
<laughs> not New Orleans. Like it <laughs> seems like a Kings pick. Like if you could have flipped Julius Randle for like yeah. what the Kings got for uh, what the what the uh, the Pacers got, that would have been a good trade. But I don't know who's like you know what I'm a Julius Randle away. <laughs> Dallas, like if Dallas had offered you Porzingis straight up for Randle, would you have taken that trade? Well, no, because Mitch Robinson has been fine holding the five right there, and you just don't need another dysfunctional headache like that. I mean, you, like you said, we're, it's always about having a point guard. The Knicks need that point guard so bad. And if there were somehow, some way, can get a Damian Lillard, but I understand that logistically that's not possible. So I guess the, all you can do is just... What are the chances you guys end up with Westbrook next year? I was just thinking that in my head. Like, don't <laughs> my worry, My brother's Matt. a Knicks fan. He was like, Westbrook look, we should have just fucking traded for Westbrook. I was hoping for that trade to happen in the... In the, before the deadline, but I guess, you know, does Julius Randle fit that rotation with the aging Lakers team? I guess essentially bring him back home there and, you know, doesn't see that anybody likes Russ, so might as well, your problem for my problem. Well, I mean, you're not going to just have to, you're going to have to give up like RJ. Yeah, yeah and that's, that's not, that's not uh, a question that's not a question that can be answered. You can't give up RJ Barry. He's the only one who has promise. Well, this was so. Let's 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 try to game this out. You have to give up some combination of Randall and Fournier because I think they're the making the most money on your team. I haven't looked at the cap sheet. Yeah, I assume they're making the most because I think Fournier was like four for eighty six or something, and Randall just got extended. Um, so I don't know if the Lakers trade for Randall. I'm sure we're looking at some combination of Fournier and. You got to give up at least, well, like an Emmanuel quickly, or I don't know if you give up quickly, but you got to give up RJ. I you have to assume RJ is gone, but he oh. can't be untouchable in this trade. Um, you got to give up some young asset and maybe maybe uh fucking reddish as well. Like, you know, you got something there, but Russell Randall is not like a terrible building block. You're not going to win a lot of games. It's going to be a lot of fun. You like, like having Russ on a team is fun. At least when he's like, you know, doing triple double, like New York's gonna love him or fight um, with the fans uh, <laughs> right on the Ooh, court. I mean. Yeah, I just don't think that was worth it. I think the Knicks' only chance to be true competitors is to work on your draft capital. And um, if you trade anybody who has been developing like an RJ Barrett, you're just taking a step back. So I wouldn't, I would, Westbrook would be taking a step back. Yeah, so I don't think acquiring any veteran could help us whatsoever. What will help is if we uh, got like Mike Connolly. <laughs> we what's gonna help is when Bronny comes in in what twenty twenty five, and then if you heard those LeBron rumors that he would literally just let it, he would just become. Yeah, a he's free going agent to he's playing wherever his kid is. I mean, this has yeah. been obvious for like five years now that that he's structured his contract so that he's he's going to be a free agent whenever Bronny's in the draft. Right. So that's the only chance I that guess. That going number one. Like, <laughs> it doesn't matter how good he's going number one. So um, I'll, I'll probably end up in the G League by that time. Because he's, I think we're like three years out. I think he's a junior. Okay. Okay. Well, again, I think the Knicks, the, the, you have to somehow, some way figure out to make this deal to get rid of Julius Randle, or we still have many years ahead of us of being perennial losers and not even being a contender again. So maybe you should stop overpaying under, uh, underachieving uh, power forwards and, 
Uh, it seems to have been a problem basically for you for the last decade. Whether um, you're Jakeem Noah or this or an aging Amar Stoudemire, even though he wanted to be here. Yeah, you know, you know, not ensuring that that contract had anything to do with his views. <laughs> uh, but also, like, we talked about this recently because it's been a decade since Linsanity. Literally. Is he the best point guard you've had in that point? It's like him or that one time Raymond Felton was good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Raymond Felton was the, almost the, an the, all-star the, at the end of it. The, but yeah, the, uh, those three the, weeks. The two months you had Chauncey Billups. That's brutal. <laughs> he was uh, there. What Jason Kidd too? Oh, oh it's, yeah, that it's been a long time. He was there for a minute. <laughs> it's been a long time, and that's just been the secret sauce that the Knicks have not figured out. Whether you're an Alfred Payton or this or whatever, <laughs> you deserve it's just a better, sad man. existence. You guys it's deserve all better. Good. But let's switch it on Alex's team now. Your oh. old ass Lakers. People thought the Lakers would make some deals, but you have players who don't like each other. You have LeBron with the everybody getting traded look. Right now, the Lakers are in the play-in tournament with the Clippers right above them. It's almost two and a half games from the eighth seed. The Lakers are turning it to a comedy show suit. Alex, where is the panic? Yeah, they're a comedy show, all right, and sitcoms are dead. <laughs> I ain't watching um, no, why do you give up? <laughs> no, I mean I'm not. What do you mean up. Dennis Schroeder's coming? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, all all his 1.7 million and all. No, I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bring the bag. Um, no, I mean like, look, this is the, this team has had the same problems they had all year. They don't gel well together. They're not they're not cohesive units. Um, Vogel it doesn't have the rotation still. And there's an imbalance of, of power with this team. There's there's major egos that don't want to play defense. They have a lot of one and out possessions. They don't take care of the basketball. It's just a recipe all the way down the checklist for um, for losing games and you know marginally staying competitive. Um, I don't think there's an off ramp here with this team. I think that they're going to have to just ride this out into the playoffs at this mm-hmm. point. Even if they, if they even make the tournament, um, it's too bad to see LeBron put all this weight on his shoulders, but. Um, he's going to have to do it one more time just to stay competitive and hopefully, you know, pray to God that they don't get bounced in the first round. But um, it, it's really or just the play in it. <laughs> I know. And the issue is it, it, it was really just a disappointment not what um, not seeing anything from Westbrook to just stay disciplined. Um, obviously, like he came in and the organization had the expectation that he would just tone things down, which is ridiculous because you can't teach old dogs new tricks. He plays reckless. He turns the ball over and it's hard to stay in games, let alone win games and take some, you know, weight and pressure off LeBron in year 19 when you're shooting yourself in the foot. So it's been difficult to watch. And I just think they're going to have to ride this one out until the end of the season. And a year where LeBron is older, getting older. Yeah, also, like, like, what do you do with Westbrook? Like, like I mean, to be fair, he's generally he's generally better the second half of the season, but it's not going to like fix the flaws for this team. Like, look, we, apparently they tried to get um, Christian Wood. Uh, yeah, you know that Christian Wood would have been would would have helped them a little bit. I heard um, that they weren't able to. They decided against it because of the luxury tax. They're trying to get Buddy Heald um, again, mm. which they should have done in the first place. Oh, from day uh, one. Uh, you know. 
Yeah, there, there's no there's no resolving this, and they're gonna have to ride his contract out um, just till he goes away. Basically, um, I don't know who would who would even. Well, dare isn't isn't he expiring next year? Yeah, it's expiring contract, so they're gonna you know send him you know to the wilderness, so to speak, and he's gonna just ride out his career, in my opinion. But I, I mean, like, wait, like, also, like, that's another like you gotta hope you trade him for the Knicks. Like nobody else is going to talk themselves into a Westbrook trade. <laughs> um, well, that's the only thing is the only team that are dumb enough to move, make a move for him is just trying to sell tickets at this point. Okay, but that's like who? The Knicks? The Kings? You think you get the Kings? You think you get the Kings to flip the Aaron Fox? <laughs> oh God! If there's any doing- hope that they would have a winning season, it's gone with that. <laughs> um, I- I mean, look, I, I like the Aaron Fox better than uh, the Westbrook. He would certainly be better. He'd play defense. Um, but look, no, I, if he's gonna if he's gonna go away, he's gonna go to like a Minnesota or a New Orleans or something like that, or basically, you know, just 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 a bottom feeder. Man, talk about being a journeyman. Russell Westbrook bounces around the league like a like a below tier player just trying to make it and he's just yeah, happens to be like always well, like, and, and and what what kills me too is that he literally has his mirror looking at him and Carmelo Anthony like what he could have been watching Carmelo revive his career the last three four years by adapting after the hard truth that he faced in Oklahoma City he could have learned from that experience and he just never did he never evolved an inch um, always dug in deeper, even though he said all the right things at the podium and press conferences. But Melo should have taken that opportunity because they had that that experience getting bounced in the first round against Portland a few years ago and saying, look, if you don't change your ways, you're going to be out of the league in a heartbeat because I've dealt with it, I've faced it, and I've had to swallow my pride in, in the face of adversity. So it's too bad that that didn't happen. Um, you know, there's still time, but it, doesn't, it looks doubtful. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Well, that's how it, she all wrote it, guys. The big moves, the big acquisitions, we pretty much hit every single one. Am I missing any? You know, thesis and then uh, Schroeder. Yeah, Schroeder goes to the Rockets. Is it thesis to the Celtics? Celtics made some moves. Is there anything else I'm missing regarding the big acquisitions? Oh, this is something that, that is kind of funny that we were talking about this earlier. But um, yeah, so Ennis Cantor got traded um, and then he got waived, which is good because now he has time to go. Uh, <laughs> to go prepare his speech for when he goes to CPAC because uh, he's now a right-wing reactionary. Oh, I got it. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, CPAC is the conservative uh, action committee. It's their political action committee. It's um, they do it like once or twice Trump a year. And it's, uh, it's, it's basically when they go down and make like, they talk about all the policies that they care about, which two times ago was every single speaker complaining about uh, the Muppets and Mr. Potato Head being canceled. It was, hmm. it's fucking wild. I can't like, and his, and his canter is, I can't, it's, it's going to be so, cause like, isn't his name Freedom as, now or something? Huh? Yeah. And there's Freedom. He's only going to be accepted because they're like, he took shots at LeBron, even though he's like, basically, because he, he said he loves him. He, he can't, cause he can't go home. Cause he, he's the, he's from Turkey and there's, there's a dictator there and the guy would kill him. But you know, He's pushing for like similar policies in America, but fuck it. He's got more time to prepare a speech. Yes. Well, we support Inez's Cantor's second life. And um, God, I love the NBA. But thank you guys. 
we'll see how these acquisitions play out. We'll check back in in a couple of weeks to see any strides. Also add some new friends along the way. But again, David Bach, Dolo Ren, Alex Ranelio, thank you, gentlemen, for discussing the big moves before the deadline with me. And let's see what happens post-All-Star game. And definitely, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, gentlemen, have a great night. You Thank too, you, guys. Good seeing you. See you later. My guys, Dolo, David, and Alex, thanks again for joining me for another productive conversation on the NBA. So... Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. We're on Twitter at ProdComboPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So I will be off next week. Just going to take care of some things and make sure that we are back and better than ever when we return on Tuesday, March 1st. That will be the first show back from our hiatus. We have Guy Washington coming in. He's an up-and-coming rapper and musician from New York City. He has a show he wants to promote, and we're going to talk to him about his career and his perspective on life and what makes him him. And what's special about that, that it's going to be an in-person podcast. In the my first ever show in person from the studio in Jersey City, Guy Washington joins me on March 1st, which is next Tuesday. And I'll be interviewing people all next week, talking various topics and things. So that only means we're going to have a stellar March, an amazing spring, and you know, an amazing 2022 after that. So I'm just going to take a quick break next week, and we're back and better than ever starting with Guy Washington on Tuesday. So again, if anybody knows anybody who is hiring in the world of production, specifically in the New York City area or hybrid, I would love to hear from them and hopefully they can help me get my career back in production. That's at mbrown3212 at gmail.com if you're so interested to reach out. It would be greatly appreciated. I just want to throw that out there. I hope everybody has a wonderful final week of February. Have a fun and safe weekend this weekend. And I will see you all again on Tuesday, March 1st with Guy Washington. I love each and every single one of you. And thank you for being the greatest fans and listeners in the world. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. And I will see you all in the 1st of March. And don't forget to check in on your friends and family. See you later, everybody. All she needed was some...